a combination of old times and new, ancient and contemporary. I just love it. I love reflecting on what lessons we might learn from various interpretations of the same messages. And in this case, the message of healing and of hope. And do we ever need some extra doses of both of those these days? Pam, thanks for reading our scripture this morning, taken from the memories and intentional messages of our earliest faith ancestors. And Kenny, thank you for sharing Caleb's beautiful song, Healer of My Heart. Talk about combining messages and interpretations of two incredibly gifted musicians and two of my favorites. So friends, what might we learn together for our living on this, the first Sunday of our Lenten journey? Let's talk about the ancient lesson from the perspective of the encounter between Jesus and the leper. Now to be sure, this was not the first recorded healing by Jesus that we read or hear about, nor will it be the last. In fact, right here in Matthew's Gospel, after the writer shares the genealogy and birth of Jesus, has Jesus baptized and sent to that wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, Lent, only to emerge ready for his ministry by calling the first disciples as the crowds begin to swell, and Jesus giving such an alternate message that we've come to know and love as the Beatitudes. In here, beginning in chapter 8, Matthew shares with his readers, including us, a myriad of healing stories. And those healing stories begin with the leper. And I think it's intentional where this story ends up being played in Matthew's gospel. Those details, I tell you, more on that in a bit. After this leper's cleansing, Matthew will share stories of Jesus healing a high-level politician servant, several folks at Peter's house, a Gadarene demoniac, a paralytic. And before Matthew is finished with his story, we'll read how Jesus brought a daughter back to life, healed a woman, gave sight to two blind men, gave ability to a withered hand, in addition to walking on water, feeding 5,000 from nothing, and then a few chapters later, another 4,000. More cures, more healings, and tons of parables. And we love all those riddles for us to try to figure out the lesson. In short, friends, Matthew is very intentional with the message that Jesus wasn't just any rabbi. He was beyond what the world had ever seen or ever will see. And regardless of our individual beliefs, and we have them, about whether Jesus was fully human, fully divine, a little of both, or somewhere in between, what we can't deny is that Jesus was different. His message was different. And His abilities to change hearts and lives, and indeed the world, was different. The leper. For me, after years of attending church and then four years of seminary and ten years of pastoring, it seems to me that it was very fitting for the healing to begin with the leper. But let's begin to examine why I think that its placement is important, appropriate, and intentional by examining more closely this idea of how one became a leper and what exactly that label meant in the ancient community. 
For the truth is, if we don't do this close examination, we will miss the heart of the story and the lesson. The term leprosy occurs 68 times in the Bible, 55 times in the First Testament, and 13 times in the New Testament. Now in the First Testament, the instances of leprosy most likely meant a variety of infectious skin diseases, even mold and mildew on clothing and walls. The early Israelites believed that leprosy was a punishment for sin and a particular highness set of syndromes. Leprosy then was seen both as that punishment and as a divine curse because it was chronic and incurable, which gradually left a person disfigured through loss of fingers, toes, and eventually limbs. Now listen to this. In the ancient faith community, a priest, a preach, would inspect the lesion, and after a period of monitoring and observation, if the condition did not improve, the person would be declared by the priest as ritually unclean. Now remember that little detail. It'll come up again here in a moment. No Israelite was to have anything at all to do with a leper. And this was by supposedly God's command in Leviticus 13. That daggone Leviticus causes all kind of havoc in our world. But we see here that Jesus broke that Jewish law more than once. And that should give any of us pause when we ourselves want to mandate strict rules of who's in and who's out. Continuing into the New Testament, including Matthew's writings, people suffering from leprosy were treated as outcasts. Now friends, I don't mean that we just didn't take them in as our best friends. We're talking about serious outcast. Much like, in my mind, folks with HIV and AIDS were and still are treated. See, Jewish law in the time of Jesus regarded leprosy as this grave offense. And again, it hurts my heart to say this because when I talk about priests in the ancient community, it's pastors in our community. But upon diagnosis by the priest, the pastor, the leper's clothes were burned, the leper's home was raised, he or she then was immediately homeless, forced to live outside the community, indeed outside the city limits. And if that wasn't bad enough, the leper was required by law to dress like a mourner yell, unclean, unclean, whenever any non-leper came near to him or her. And worst of all, the leper was considered a lost cause and totally abandoned by God. <laughs> but look, look what occurs. In this most desperate of people, watch what they did. Jesus and the leper, that is, because both of them defied the odds. Both of them ignored the status quo and the Jewish law, frankly. Both of them were daring, and we must not miss that. First note that the scripture began with Jesus coming down from the mountain where it said great crowds had followed him, and there was a leper. Remember? 
Lepers were not allowed to join regular folk, especially crowds. And if a crowd or a person came their way, they were demanded to shout warnings of unclean. unclean. But picture this. Here comes this man, desperate for healing, desperate for belonging, desperate for love. Indeed, most desperate for some hope. Comes this leper, despised, homeless, sent away. He comes to the crowd. Ignoring or risking what he knew the consequence would be. And instead of warnings of unclean, unclean, here the leper comes rather daringly saying to Jesus, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Now then, just a pause. A literal reading of this scripture might indicate that Jesus chose to heal some and not others. Thank God I don't read scripture literally. And the truth is, even if I did, it doesn't say in this scripture that there were others asking for healing that didn't get it. But some of us were spoon-fed this choice healing version of God. I didn't buy into that theology then, and I sure as heck don't buy into it now. What this story says is that a desperate man took the risk and the courage and had the absence of his pride to ask for healing. He didn't say how he wanted Jesus to go about it. He didn't say how much healing. Rather, he said to this radical prophetic rabbi, You can make me clean. Friends, another detail. Being deemed unclean by the priest, no less, meant you couldn't go to temple. You couldn't mingle with the rest of the faith community in any form or fashion. And this man's request was asking Jesus to deem him to be clean to be lovable, to be worthy, to be good enough, or we might think to be fill-in-the-blank enough. Watch now. For we don't see or read where the man's sores suddenly went away, do we? We don't see where any mold that might have been on his clothes disappeared. Rather, in the midst of a crowd who were suddenly following and believing in this radical message of Jesus, they heard Jesus' healing words right out of his mouth to this desperate leopard. I do choose. Be made clean. And so it makes good sense to me that the first story Matthew shares of Jesus' healing was with the most desperate person we can imagine. As if to say right out of the gate, this is who belongs in the circle of God. In other words, you belong. You don't have to feel lonely or isolated or less than. Not when it comes to me and my love for you or my acceptance of you. And knowing that Jesus' words were within earshot of his disciples and the crowd, Jesus was sending a clear message that if they professed to be followers of his, then they too must accept those who had been pushed to the margins. They too must stop oppressing those oppressed. They too 
must stop judging and deeming people unworthy or less than to be sure it would be their choice what to do about Jesus' example as it is our choice as well. But here, here this Jewish rabbi breaking Jewish law was making a huge and radical statement about who belongs in the kingdom of God. And just as importantly, Jesus was telling the leper, listen to me friends, Jesus was telling the leper that his value of himself should rest not on what other people think about him, but what God thinks about him. And God says, you're clean. In every sense of what that meant then and now. Notice too, this might be my favorite part. Notice too what happens. Jesus tells the leper in a really strange way, don't tell anyone. Now, surely he wasn't asking the leper to keep this life-changing news to himself forever. But only the instruction, did you catch it? To first show himself to the priest. See, this is that in-your-face Jesus that I claim to take my genealogy from. Now, every now and again, I am the the take-the-children-on-your-lap kind of Jesus. But more often than not, this is the Jesus I take in your face. Challenging rules, questioning authority, doing life and indeed ministry in a radical way. So, friends, this wasn't just a simple instruction. Oh, no. Jesus, the leper, the disciples in the crowd, they knew all too well what this go-tell-the-priest instruction meant. Jesus was saying, Hey, now that you're clean, and now that I have declared you to be as loved, and as accepted, and as valuable in my eyes as anyone else, you go tell the person who told you otherwise. You go right back and tell that priest that said you weren't welcome, and that you didn't belong, and that facilitated your clothes being burned and your house being raised, go tell him what I say and what we have done. You with your courage to approach me in a crowd that shunned you. You with your humbleness to ask and your faith to believe. You and me, look what we did. You go tell the priest about that. Tell him first. And I'll just bet that having followed that instruction, that leper was free then to rebuild his life. With hope restored, renewal in place, we might only imagine how the rest of his days played out. Now, is there anything in this lesson we might relate to? A preacher telling us we don't belong there because of who we love, what gender or sexuality we identify with, or what faith tradition we grew up with. A church limiting the sacraments of communion and baptism based on rules they designed or inherited with no guts to challenge such restrictions. A board deciding that only men can lead the church. And only married men with no divorce in their history can be an elder. A faith community limiting its membership on a prescribed system or an ability for someone to recite or check the box of specific church doctrines. Anyone, anyone 
told or treated that they are less than or unworthy or unlovable for any reason. Oh, friends, I believe this story is up for us New Age lepers just as much as it was for the ancient ones. It's for those of us, maybe that includes all of us, who feels or has ever been treated like a leper. And it's for those of us, maybe that includes all of us, who has ever treated someone else like a leper. And yet there's hope and there's healing. For God chooses every single one of us and every single one of them. And the truth is, the healing might not always look or feel like we'd hoped. The cancer may not have responded to treatment. The relationship may be beyond mending. The finances don't magically result in black ink versus red. Healing sometimes takes the form of the promise of eternal life. Or other relationships that fill in the gap of those we've lost or too far gone. Healing sometimes comes in abilities in our future that we might not see so clearly. Oh, I believe this story is meant as a witness that God will always welcome us home. Either figuratively as we negotiate the life here and now or someday literally in whatever shape eternity might hold. Healing of the outcast. The lonely, the abandoned, the broken, sometimes shattered. The lepers of old and new. Hearing from the one that counts. And hearing, maybe even ever so faintly, in the middle of chaos, confusion, the ditches of our life. Hearing from the one that counts. I do choose. I choose you. Over and over again. Be made clean. I can almost hear the leper now, ancient or right here among us. I can almost hear the leper on his or her way to tell the one in charge who told them that they were any matter of unworthy or less than. Not so. You're wrong. Not true. And as they make their way to give that divine report that he or she or we are good enough and worthy and loved and embraced and included, I can just hear that soft singing as they skip along. You're the healer of my heart when my world is torn apart. You're the mender of my soul. Only you can make me whole. You're my peace in troubled times. When I'm broken, Lord, I find. All I need is who you are. You're the healer of my heart.
Thanks for listening to the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. During the pandemic, we meet live online on our Facebook page and on our YouTube channel. You can find out more on our website at bluegrasschurch.org.